Captain Cayman! Greetings, listeners. This is your Capitan, Michael Cave. I'm still alive. I still have a virtual cruise ship. And while I haven't set sail in 2022, here we go with the maiden voyage of 2022 with a very special guest, Joe Tosti. Joe, welcome aboard my infrequently used vessel. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm fantastic. Uh, first one in 2022. I love it. It's like March 5th or something like that. I'm yes. honored. Yes. I've been a little busy. The boat had uh, quite a few barnacles on it, but... I'm back and I'm feeling good about this particular podcast because you and I share something in common that we will get into in a minute. But let me familiarize you with the accommodations on my vessel, which include a few upgrades for 2022. So first and foremost, I'd like to let you know that you can have anything you want to drink aboard my virtual cruise ship and anything you want to eat. And even though we haven't sailed, in 2022, the food was brought on today. It's not spoiled. It's not bad or anything. So you're not going to be getting seasick because of my cuisine. And we also have a virtual jukebox aboard. And a new addition, we're offering you $50 in your cryptocurrency of choice as a thank you for boarding the cruise ship. So tell me, Joe, what in the world are you eating aboard my vessel, drinking? And we'll, we'll get into the virtual token jukebox thing and then your cryptocurrency choice. But what are you having to eat? Uh, so to drink's the easiest. Okay. Uh, I, uh, as I drink a lot of it, and that's uh, Handlebar Coffee out in Santa Barbara. So oh, is that uh, I love Handlebar. Okay. What? Is it a beer? Uh, no, 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 just regular coffee. I actually, sad note, cannot drink beer anymore because uh, I have uh, celiac disease. So oh, no. I know I had an endoscopy treatment. Uh, what was it earlier this year, late last year? I can't remember at this point. And they stuck a tube, you know, down your throat and through your stomach all the way to your lower intestine. And they're like, yep, just like your mom, oh, no. you have celiac disease. So that ended the beer uh, front. So my choices on the alcoholic beverage side is, is wine. Um, but I drink that infrequently cause I'm just so busy. Um, but uh, I love handlebar coffee to eat. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, am I by myself or am I with my wife? Ah, uh, you know what? Did you sneak her in on your luggage or not? <laughs> oh, well, I love her. She can come with me any, anywhere. But the reason okay. I say that is so I I love Chipotle and she hates Chipotle. Okay. So if she's not with me, I'm going Chipotle, <laughs> three corn tacos, uh, uh, that Chipotle. And then uh, if she's with me, I'm going sushi. So it's my. <laughs> okay. Well, it's nice that you had the foresight to think about her being on here with you and this not just being a, a boys thing so that's good so well-trained joe 
You heard it here first. Happy wife, happy life. But sorry yep. to hear about the celiac disease. I I, I need to make an accommodation now. Uh, you know how we have like keto friendly menus. Now we need celiac friendly and gluten free, all that fun stuff. So thanks. All right. So yeah, I thought you said copy, handlebar copy, but you said handlebar coffee. So, okay, no problem. Oh yeah. You can fly in anything you want, even after we set sail. So cool. So you know what? I didn't ask you, Joe, about dessert. Do you want dessert or are you not a dessert guy? Oh, I've got a big sweet tooth. Oh, yeah. I think I got that from my grandfather, which is not good. <laughs> dessert. Favorite dessert. Oh, man. I love uh, chocolate ice cream with, with a brownie, but I've got to you know make sure that's not happening on a regular basis. Um, my favorite thing since I've become gluten-free actually is, is milk duds, which is bad. Wow. And I'm popping those all the time. Oh <laughs> I'm editing a podcast and just milk duds are uh, <laughs> getting thrown down. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So here's your virtual token for the jukebox. Tell us what you're playing tonight. What song? Ooh, what am I playing tonight? That's really great. I'm probably playing... And I'm actually editing three podcasts tonight myself. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. After that though, when I'm not having to listen back and I'm doing some of the other behind the scenes work on the jukebox, I'm probably listening to the events. I threw a live podcast event in Austin, Texas last September. And my wife created uh, an event playlist on Spotify. Oh boy. That I love, which is so just kind of that nostalgia and, she just put together a really good good playlist so whatever's on that thing okay well you're in luck the upgrade that i did to the jukebox for 2022 was to make it a smart jukebox so i can actually have spotify stations up there no problem so i've got you covered joe just know that now tell me about this 50 dollars. what cryptocurrency would you like this 50 dollars in and no i'm not gonna have you reveal your wallet address on this podcast <laughs> I got a funny story about about crypto. Uh, okay. Can I tell it? Is that fine? Absolutely. Okay. Anything goes on the board this cruise ship, sir. Oh, I love it. So this might have been five years ago at this point, maybe six years ago. I took a Internet of Things and IoT class at Stanford in person. At the time, I was working for a software development company called Mocrea, and went to go learn about IoT. One of the weeks, we had a guest speaker. The guest speaker was talking about this relatively new company called Coinbase. Hmm. Uh, and, I, and, and you can have a wallet and was talking about Bitcoin and the TAM or the kind of total addressable market of uh, what this could turn out to be, what could, what could crypto turn out to be. And I am just kicking myself because uh, if I would have put $50 in at the time, that $50 would have multiplied. I actually went back. I had to go find the email of like, when did I take the course? When did I hear from this guy? And, you know, I think Bitcoin was at, uh, it was at uh, under $100. Oh, and so then, you know, that was actually an important lesson because right now I find myself, and I won't deviate too far off topic, but Anytime I find myself going, 
that's so silly. Who would now I catch myself, I go, what am I missing? This is what I ask myself. I'm like, what am I missing? And so right now the question for me is NFTs. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, dude, it's a JPEG. You could just, yeah. I'm like, what? Super Mario <laughs> Brothers kind of pixels, 8-bit, JPEG. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So this is some funny. So I'm, I'm like holding myself. I know there's a lot, a lot of people who are smarter than me who see some potential, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on it, but I am open-minded. So for the future, because you know, it's like, the iPhones, I don't even, I think it's maybe 20 years old, if that. Maybe it's like 12. I don't even know. But it's not, it's not that old where it was like revolutionary to have like a a phone that played music and took calls, right? Yeah. So as far as my $50 in crypto, I don't know. I'm pretty vanilla. I'd probably just go Bitcoin. Okay. I know. Not that impressive, but... Well, so just so that you know how much that's going to be in Bitcoin, I've, I've done a, a rough calculation for you. It's going to be 0.000025 Bitcoin. So we'll get that over to you as soon as possible via Coinbase. I'm totally joking here. You're not getting any Bitcoin out of Captain Caveman. But I love <laughs> the story because early this morning when I woke up, I was actually reading about Shiba Inu, which I have about 30 million Shiba Inu. I built it up over time using a service called Roundly X, which is linked to Coinbase and it's linked to my uh, checking account. And you can round up by a factor of one through 10. And what I do is with all the purchases that we make for this family of five, it accumulates and I can choose which cryptocurrency I want to buy, which is amazing. So I've accumulated 30 million in Shiba Inu and just crossed 10,000 in Dogecoin. But I'll give you your Bitcoin. And the thing about Bitcoin is H-O-D-L. Hold on for dear life. Just don't sell it, you know, because the thing I was reading this morning was, oh, Shiba Inu has the highest annual growth for cryptocurrencies ever. It was something ridiculous, like 44 million percent or something crazy like that. And if you had a dollar sixty nine of that, when it exploded in 2021, you would just have made a ridiculous amount of money. It's one of those things where you wake up and when you see how much you've made, you start selling. <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of stash this stuff away and forget about it. But thank you for sharing that. And again, thank you for hopping aboard. Let's set sail. Uh, you don't need a life vest or anything, but I, I do want to ask you, do you need any drama mean or anything like that? Do you get seasick when you're at sea? No, but my wife does, which is next to COVID is preventing this this Disney cruise that I want to that I want to go on with the kids. Yeah. So I hear you, man. Well, you know, maybe uh, if we sail again, which I'm sure we will, you can have her come aboard. Sorry, we didn't have her aboard this time. So let's unpack you, Joe. So tell me and our listeners a little bit about who you are. What do you like to do outside of your full-time podcasting hobby. That's the big surprise here. And we're, we're cut from the same cloth. Although for me, it's a hobby. For you, it's a, a, a gig, which is awesome. But tell me a little bit about your background and who you are uh, as a person and what you like to do. So, oh man, I don't even know where to begin. You can go to jotossi.com backslash about to, to get the full, I guess the full kind of more picture context. I don't normally talk about myself, which is, you would think is kind of funny because I interview people all the time, but I never talk about myself. So 
if you see me blush right now, if you watch this on video, uh, <laughs> that's probably what happened is happening. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, I can kind of start. I didn't grow up with dad. So, uh, just grew up with my mom and then my sister and my two aunts. So that's kind of the first, I think, lens and perspective that I come from. Right. So actually international women's day is, is the next Tuesday. Right on. And so the one disagreement that I have, and it, I don't know if it's popular or not popular, but I hear a lot about equality as far as men and women having, when you grow up and you have a single mom who's waitressing every night and crying over money, pretty soon you think, no, women are superheroes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking, there's no, forget the forget the equality piece about it. Women, I mean, from raising kids to working full-time jobs, I mean, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. I, I don't know how they do it. So, yeah. But that's the perspective I come from is just growing up and seeing <laughs> a bunch of women in my life. So, went to high school, played basketball, loved basketball. When I was younger, yeah, you're right. I, when I was younger, a lot younger, I did love running. Uh, at Goleta Valley Junior High, I set the record for the mile as a seventh grader. I think it was like 505. Oh my. And then, but I just, I kind of picked one between basketball and running and went with basketball. Poor choice because uh, uh, eventually my high school team was one guy went to the NBA. Three other guys went to go play. Wow. One and I said, well, I'm not that good. I'm just going to go hang that up right now. So <laughs> hung that up, went to college. But I worked a lot of jobs, which actually at the time I would say was a curse. A lot of people were like, hey, you're just jumping around. You're hopping around. Now it's I'm like, wow, this is real good, real good benefit. Working from real estate and different and like different technology and and uh, and financial services. So there's a lot a lot of jobs that I work. So actually, my first software job was at uh, Yardi Systems, which was super fun. And uh, that was a number of number of years ago. I saw some friends who worked there, and Yardi is property management software company. For those who don't know, I worked as a technical account manager. And when I started, I was basically as junior as it gets. Actually, there's a funny interview story. So you interview with eight managers. And so, yeah, so you just go around two at a time and you only need one to pick you. So apparently seven out of the eight didn't like me because I didn't know SQL. (laughs) I knew accounting and, you know, uh, pretty personable, but they wanted someone who could, you know, make an impact on day one but i had one guy who believed in me this manager anthony harris shout out he's now he's now retired but he actually had owned his own business before uh, i think he had a got acquired and he had a different mindset and i kind of always took that and they he already sent me i went to san francisco took a sequel class there learned sequel and then pretty soon a couple years in was making some pretty great strides so that was awesome transitioned over to medical software yeah. from there transitioned to like account management Mocrea, which is like a software development company which actually got acquired by Nagaro left went to go work at a startup in Santa Barbara and then came back then I had started Tech Tables podcast which okay. first five episodes was not named Tech Tables 
Oh, really? What so, was it named? I didn't have a name. <laughs> I didn't have a name. I was like, oh, I got this cool podcast. And huh. so then I just, it's kind of same format. I just didn't have a name for it yet. And no brand. So yeah, no well, brand. I kind of want to unpack this. I've had a lot of jobs thing. I, I want to really understand the why behind that, because uh, it, if I'm going to guess, maybe you're a variety as a spice of life guy. You're looking at, I could find something positive in every opportunity. Am I onto something or what was driving the, the comfort going from job to job and getting experience? But the Anthony Harris person was the, the catalyst to give you your big break. It's always nice when somebody sees something in you that nobody else sees. And then you, you just take off like a rocket from there. But what was the driver to you being comfortable going from opportunity to opportunity? Yeah, I get bored pretty easy. My wife jokes, she's like, please don't get bored of me. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? These are like not even the same thing. But yeah, I think when it, when it, when it just comes to jobs, I, I got bored. And actually, I actually wasn't bored uh, at Yardy. I actually wanted to move from the team I was on, it was called the PayScan team, which handed all accounts payable. And I love working for Anthony, but I wanted to move what was called the professional consulting group, PSG. Uh, he would not let me go. He would not let me go. He said, I need you at least another year. Uh, you're really awesome on the team. And I was like, no, I want to keep going. And he, would, he wouldn't let me go. And I really wanted to go. And so I ended up I ended up quitting, which I don't know if that was a good or a bad thing, but life's, life's journey. So yeah. Yeah, I think there's the discomfort. I'm always looking to grow. That's, I think, the driving factor. That makes perfect sense, which kind of takes us to the now, Joe, where you're, you've got this Tech Tables podcast. We cross paths because of that. And you, you found out, hey, I've got this virtual cruise ship. It's a hobby for me. And obviously, I haven't set sail at all in 2022. We had that the absolute pleasure, though, of meeting at a recent event and you had just been in Austin, Texas running a half marathon, I guess, but it was really cool hitting it off with you in the planning session and also just now hopping aboard this cruise ship. I just thought it was interesting and I, I would love for you to unpack how you do what you do because I do it different. And you're, you rattled off and we talked about your podcast and what you use, you rattled off tools that I've never heard of. I'm like, well, crap, maybe I should get get on that because it would save me some time and it would make me more efficient with editing and all that fun stuff. When I got into podcasting, I just saw that there was a need to keep people connected during the pandemic and remind folks that we're still people. And when we come out the other end of this thing, this shit show, <laughs> yeah, this will be explicit. We're, we're still people and I don't want people to forget what makes us unique, what makes us interesting. And I've had some interesting people aboard. You're an interesting person. So just tell me about your tech tables journey, the tricks of the trade you've learned along the way, how you've got so many guests on and how the first ones went. I know the first ones you're like, ah, Josh, what was that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so I think one of my favorite stories just rolling back to CES right before the pandemic. And, it, you know, it's crazy to think about how many people are at CES. It's just this, if you're not familiar, it's this giant 
consumer technology conference. And I mean, there's probably a hundred thousand people in Las Vegas and it was crazy. And, you know, yeah, I went there, uh, the company Nagaro that I was working for, one of their clients, Clarion at the time, I don't know if they still are, but they were doing the software demo and I was going to gather a customer testimonial. So I brought this video equipment and then I just was like, oh, I got to know some people who are going to be here. I'm just going to start interviewing them. And and so actually, yeah, I reached out and then, you know, CES was like a whole week long. Oh, and so okay. I talked to the people like, do you have questions for us? And I was like, interesting. Yeah, let's set the date. So I set the date and then that night, I remember the night going back to my hotel room. I spent the whole night like writing questions, looking up people. And then... I just started interviewing people. I think I had five people and actually the first one, I feel so bad. I like forgot to get the audio. <laughs> and I was like, doofus, what are you doing? So that first one, I feel really bad, but I'm not going to say who, who that was. Uh, but I, I still talk to them this day, mainly like on like LinkedIn and stuff. But then the other folks, yeah, the feedback was like, I mean, typically there's a lot of media people who they'll talk with. And I think the, the thing I got, the feedback was like, Joe, you actually like research and ask good questions and you listen to us. And that was like a light bulb. Uh, I went back to Nagaro. I was like, hey, I got this podcast. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, but I, you know, I'm a little bit of a persistent personality. So yeah, yeah, I just kept pushing. Yep. Yeah, you have to be. So uh, yeah, you know, I kept pushing along. I got the, I didn't know really anything I'd recorded these episodes. I didn't even have like a lapel mic. So there's like background noise. I mean, you go to the first like four or five, it's pretty classic. Yeah. And then, yeah, I remember just, you know, and then obviously working for a big company, there's like a lot of branding that goes into it. And then there's a lot of people. And then obviously you learn working for a big organization, you're navigating everything. You know, you start to learn like, and there's some really good lessons just around trying to figure out like, hey, where's the money for this going to come from? Where's the budget going to be? Yeah, it was a good lesson of like hearing, oh, we don't have money. But then figuring out like, oh, but if you can convince somebody, it's like suddenly there's money. I was like, oh, this is just like my wedding day with my wife where she's like, hey, uh, I really want this barbecue uh, food catered at our wedding. I'm like, oh, we don't have the budget. But for you, I got budget. <laughs> right? See, this guy's well-trained audience. Happy wife, happy life. This is yeah. why we call it on this podcast, Solid Gold. He's given the solid gold keys to happy marriage. Yes, dear. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, and part of it, so I started figuring it out. And then, uh, you know, at Nagaro, it's like, you know, uh, and they're really, really great. I mean, there's a number of people there who are super supportive of the podcast. You know, even with that, I think it almost died like about five times before it actually like launched to the public. And, you know, I think part of it is when you work at a big company, is it like, is it the company podcast? Is it, is it, is everyone going to have a podcast? There's so many questions that, that have to be asked. And, yep. you know, there's obviously branding around it. And so, but which is a really great lesson for me. And so, yeah, that was kind of the beginning. And then the journey kind of started to take off. And and I realized early on that like no one's, it's a little bit different now, but early on, like first year, no one's reaching out to me to come on. Right. I'm having to do all of the outreach. And yep. so, yeah. And so I think that was, you know, that was a big one. And then 
I think just to compress the story a little bit, Nagaro let me, they let me leave, which was amazing. And I acquired Tech Tables. So I officially own Tech Tables, which was incredible. I don't know any other company on the planet would like that, that would actually let you do that. And Seriously. so, yeah. And then they became my first client, which was amazing. You know, which I a little bit, and I love being an entrepreneur. I think what I miss a little bit is like, of the company interaction yes a little bit but you know because you're just you're not part of that like you're not an employee anymore right you're out on your own and so but you know i have a blast i have a ton of fun and and i'm getting more and more into doing these kind of smaller a lot smaller niche live events which actually going back to what you were talking about uh, about community i think is the biggest kind of missing people crave community they may not say it that way i agree but but people love community and i just think a lot of media companies out there they don't get that it's just like another event for them yep and but it's all about the the community which actually the guys from the public sector network they found me shout out to them right and uh i know they're they're big kind of thing is is all about community so yeah actually april 21st i'm throwing a live event in phoenix and then on may 18th in austin and then on july 22nd in raleigh wow uh yeah so i'm gonna do good three. Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh i'm trying to think about the if i have any speaking spots left uh phoenix is sold out I'm trying to think Maybe Austin might have one. I don't know. I'd have to go look. But I think what I did that like I wanted. So I actually got the idea from Rob Lloyd, who was the CIO for the city of San Jose. He came on tech tables. Yeah. Shout out to Rob. He's he's a really smart guy. He's a really, really smart guy. And, you know, he was giving me this idea, these kind of smaller, more intimate events where CIOs could get together and then and really have some time. And so, you, you know, I, part of it is, is this, this balance between the CIOs and the vendors, right? And understanding, I mean, the vendors, they sponsor you. And so how can you kind of have both of those together and maybe even separately? And so the idea that my wife actually came up with was to, to call it the Tech Table Sweet Talk series, oh. which I love because we were renting out presidential suites. So rent out presidential suite. We're going to do the tech tables podcast recordings in the suite. And so, you know, I learned a lot. I, when I threw this live event in Austin city limits last year, which was so much fun. And then with this presidential suite set up, it's like, okay, well, there's only so many people I can have in here. (laughs) Right. Like, Like if there's not even like a fake cap on it, I'm like, no, like legit. I can only have so many people in this room. So it's eight CIOs and then four vendors at each one. Uh, Raleigh will be a little bit different because I rented a little little bit of a bigger space, but it'll be 12 vendors, uh, 12 CIOs there. Maybe I might pair it back to six to six vendors, just depending on the space size once I get the square footage back. But it's a small event. And then afterwards, I'm taking all the CIOs out to dinner just to thank them for coming on the podcast live i know for some it's like it's i think it's easier to hop on virtually but when it's in person they've got to get there and i know it's a whole deal so but anyways i'm super excited about that 
Well, this is very insightful for me as a part-time podcaster that ended up producing something in terms of content that resonated with an unexpected audience. For example, 2020 was when I actually started. I actually had something called Michael's Cave, and that was about just infertility, right? Because I have triplets and I had a seven and a half year infertility journey. And I brought people on that were from that world. And it was really raw. It was really early. But the cruise ship, Captain Caveman's cruise ship, the cave boat was born where I just started bringing in people from government. And then it was just people that I've crossed paths with my entire life on this rock, this third rock from the sun. And what was interesting about that public sector network event was that there were people coming up to me say, hey, like your podcast, love your podcast. I'm like, oh yeah. So it would have been funny had I worn this captain's hat. And it's just really ironic how the whole quote unquote brand was formed. My father wasn't around when I was growing up, but he was serving our country. He was in the Navy. So I didn't really know him growing up. And ultimately I ended up back in California to get to know him when I went to college. But he retired from the Navy as a lieutenant commander. But I figured if he had ever stayed in the Navy, he probably would have ended up being a captain himself. So I never joined the armed forces, but I was happy to promote myself to captain for this cause. And what's also ironic about how I got into this was when I first moved back to San Diego from Norfolk, Virginia on the East Coast, my dad was working as a project manager for a company under the Coronado Bridge in San Diego called Northrop Grunman or Continental Maritime at the time. And he was a project manager over refurbishing decommissioned Navy ships. And when he was done with that eight to five gig, he would drive to the casino in uh, El Cajon, I think it was uh, Sequan Casino, and he would call bingo. And he had this buttery radio voice, smooth. He would call those letters B. 52, I, 21, bingo. <laughs> it was just awesome. And I guess I was paying attention to how he delivered that message. I don't know. But what really worked for me was just really humanizing folks. And I think what happened with this pandemic was everyone got dehumanized. You became someone that didn't leave the house, someone that forgot how to reach out and touch someone, and someone that forgot to communicate the story of who you are. So I start bringing on these retired execs and they had a blast. And then they start giving me feedback for what to do next. I'm like, wait a minute, my brand. <laughs> but I did the outreach that you're talking about. And I started building a list. And I'm pretty sure that less than a third of the people I reached out to ended up hopping aboard. But the people that did hop aboard had a blast. Word of mouth started. Next thing you know, I've got this organic, hey, I want to be on board. You want to be on board what? The cruise ship. It was almost like Fight Club. <laughs> and then I'm hearing from people, hey, people like your podcast, man. You got to keep that going. You got to talk about this. Hell no, I'm not talking about that. You know, we're, we're just, we're people. Let's, let's humanize people. So I had not repeat offenders, but I had people come on twice. One guy came on the second time because the audio wasn't great on the first time. He's like, we got to do it again. We got to do it again. It's <laughs> just so much fun. But then my wife, yeah, happy wife, happy life says, hey, 
how many of these are you going to be doing? Because you've done them every weekend and you're doing them during the weeknight. Hey, you can't spend too much time doing this. It's like, I'm building something special here and it's going to lead to something. And I think one of the things that led to was me having a comfort level that I've got something that resonates with folks that one guy asked me, you ever thought about being a talk show host? No, but thanks for the, the thought. You know, I could do that later in retirement, but I would enjoy doing this for a company someplace and really unpacking people because people are like, hey, you ask good questions. I'm like, well, you give good content and I can feed off of that. So that's what's so great about being here with you. You're in this full time. You are telling folks how it went early on and how it kind of ignited from there. For me, it ignited. And I was just like, all right, I can't sell that off. And I have to, I was doing audiobook narration as well. I'm like, no, doing too much. It's a lot. And then the editing takes a lot of time, as you know. Yeah, I'm in, the, I'm actually streamlining that even, even quicker. My wife helps out behind the scenes, but even that, I'm pretty aggressive about, I think, on the productivity front of setting, setting a timer and, and just going. I focus like deep work focus. So Descript is a great tool if you're looking, I mean, it's 30 bucks a month. I think that's for like the premium version. You could probably get the cheap version. It's gotta be $10 or something, but it's probably the one of the best tools on the market. Wow. I get the podcast and, and at this point, I used to really go over every little detail. Now, and I rarely actually listen back. I've, I've been listening back to the last couple because my wife is, is so great. She's she's watching the kids and we're actually moving right now. So it's mm -hmm. been super crazy. Yeah, I, I dislike moving so much. And so Descript, it's like, I just, there's an automatic thing where you just hit cut out filler words and then cut down the sound. So anything longer than like 0.8 seconds of a gap, I just cut that down to what I needed to be. And then actually I just listened back uh, mainly I just cut out anything dumb that I say uh, or like or you not even dumb it's just more of me mumbling like uh 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 uh, uh. and no one no one ever sees on the final episode which is so funny uh so that's I mean that's a great tool so I'm you know cutting that down so you know still take some time but you know cut that down and then actually where I'm actually in the process of you know if you go on the tech tables you go on any episode on techtables.com You'll see, I mean, it looks really great. It just takes a lot of time to put it together hmm. from, uh, you know, creating the the image to grabbing the quotes to the timestamps to, and there's like a custom transcript with everyone's face on it. And wow, that's a, that's a combination. I'm using this uh, headless CMS platform called Contentful that has an API that integrates with Ghost, but I'm actually going to, move off of that and I'm going to slim down a little bit because one of the things I'm looking at is like the velocity, the rate at which I can get podcasts out because I'm so far behind right now. Wow. Uh, I have a giant list of people who are like, hey, we got to run my podcast questions. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I am so far behind right now. It's insane. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to pick up the speed and just make it quicker. And any automation is really great. So I'm big into tech tools and all that. And so I'm trying to, as much automation as I can get going, Wow, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of. Wow, I that was what was so fascinating that we're doing the same thing. You're further out to sea than I am. I'm kind of like one of those three-day cruises. You're kind of a transatlantic cruise with 
global repositioning and you know you, you you're on a, a super ship i i've got something that's like uh one of the smaller cruise ships and stuff but uh i do everything my own editing by hand and all that stuff and i listen to it it takes me for an hour podcast probably three hours you know if i'm doing it good but with your tools that you're mentioning i could probably get it done in a half an hour and not have to listen to too much and it would be pretty good i'm thinking so just so that everyone knows what my tools are is uh, i use zoom to record the thing and then i take it into audacity and i have uh, a custom macro that cleans up the audio so i do all the cleanup first and then i strike out the stuff that is filler or whatever and then i produce the mp3 and then i load that puppy up in the anchor and then i add some free music blah 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 and then i post it and then i tag so i could learn a oh, lot from oh i show. cut that down oh i cut that down three hours that's crazy I, yeah. yeah i cut that down fast yeah i actually cut out the music the intro music to tech tables i just start i was i just because i'm so busy yeah i don't think people understand like it's like oh you run a podcast that's that's really cute well when you run a business it's like not only are you doing that recording the podcasts and you're writing podcast questions you're also doing accounting mm-hmm. and you're also marketing and i think i'm actually a terrible marketer Oh. for the podcast. So I, I just post. I'm like, I am terrible. I also am like terrible at sales. I'm just like not that good. And so I talk to vendors. I'm like, I got this podcast. And they're like, that's cool. Why do we care? Right. I'm like, I don't Put know. It for me. Yeah. Nagaro, Nagaro is awesome. And they're like, who's Nagaro? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, I had a, I had, it was amazing. It was totally lucky accident, but I had this gal Patty Rose, she came on Tech Tables live in, in Austin. She's VP of public sector there at Verizon. And, and she was there and she was like, Joe, this is magical. And so they're like, we want to sponsor you. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Ooh. So so I just recorded with Jim Weaver, who's the state CIO in North Carolina. And um, and Verizon sponsored that episode. And, and they've got kind of a special thing in, in Q2 that I can't talk about yet, but I'm going to kind of go on the road and should be a ton of fun doing a lot of recording for them but yeah you know i i if you see like like the content and the community it compounds and it grows Mm -hmm. i think the mistake i made when i was younger was i would just quit too soon yeah and the and the only thing that my wife's like the only difference right now between you and the other versions of you is like you haven't quit and actually i tried to quit a couple times like ah dude no one no one likes the podcast People don't like tech tables. I'm putting like my heart and soul. I'm like, this is dumb. I quit. <laughs> and I had some people who were telling me that do not quit. <laughs> like whatever you do, wow, I quit. And so thankful for for those people who told me not to not to quit. I never really thought of quitting, Joe. I think that I was using it as motivation to. I've always looked at getting better and rebranding refactoring and evolving and i figured i've picked up a few skills along the way some people think i'm funny you know but at the same time there's all these other things that i could do that i could package into a brand and actually produce a product that resonates with people i think if covid had never happened and i had still done this 
maybe it would be even more popular because I learned early on in the podcast journey that a lot of people listen to podcasts during their commutes. So when people were still going in and I had started in 2020, people were like, hey, I listened to your podcast on the way into work. Nice, man. <laughs> and then they bookmark it and then they're sharing it with people and I'm looking at the analytics and I'm saying, well, I'm not making any money off of this, but I'm giving people things to think about. And that was to me the biggest win. And I'd never thought of quitting because I wasn't really looking at what people were saying about it. I was more about what kind of content could I put out there to show people what my journey has been. And if you look at what's on my content list, I've got some audiobook narrations out there. I'm singing silly songs like Omega Desk, which was the last thing that I had put out there. But the people that I've interviewed, I had four people aboard the same podcast and they had a good old time. I was just steering the thing. <laughs> that was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. That was fun, Joe. But I would love to join forces with you on a future podcast where we come at delivery from a different angle. It's fun. It's thought provoking. It's personal. I think that that would be a really nice voyage. What do you say? Yeah, we can if we can make the, the schedules work together. Or maybe I should say <laughs> at some point you should come on. You'll come on tech tables. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, we're having a great time right now. I'm, you know, pretty, I'm a pretty open book. So I actually have a funny story. Someone was like, Joe, on the whole quitty friend, they're like, hey, Joe, how many times in your life, like, do you quit? And, uh, and I was like, well, I feel like quitting on a lot of stuff all the time. I'm like, you ever run a marathon? They're like, no. I'm like, huh, yeah, get to mile 23. You want to quit oh. <laughs> and your leg, when your leg, yeah. I'm like, have you done anything super hard? I'm like, oh yeah, at some point you want to quit. And so that's, you know, and I think everyone, I think for you, what was nice is it's a little bit more of, of a hobby and you have a little fun time. I think my journey was just different because I was trying to keep this podcast going inside of a huge company. And so it was a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah. Nagaro's got like 15,000 people and everyone on Microsoft Teams was pinging me for whatever guests they wanted to come on. And, uh, you know, I'm only one person. So, but uh, yeah, it, it worked out. And I had a lot of people who supported the podcast. A lot of people who supported me. So was super blessed uh, by Nagaro for sure. That's, that's cool. I mean, I, I had people on where it becomes clear that it, could be a really legitimate platform to speak about a cause, deliver a, a message to an audience. Like there's people that are looking for mentorship and mentorship, as you know, it comes in different flavors. And sometimes the best thing you could do to inspire someone is broadcast on a platform like a podcast where you're just speaking from the heart about your journey and people can take what they need from it. And that's the nice thing about podcasts. You can play it back. You can stop halfway through and chuck the rest, or you could go all the way to the 59th minute and not listen to the last minute and be good. But then you could forward that if it resonates. Like we had a guy on and people were like, I had no idea this person was so deep because all they knew that person as was one thing. And to me, that's 
the sign that you've got a product that's resonating with folks out there. And I wasn't really into the analytics, but I did find it interesting who was listening, which episodes were popular. And I was curious as far as your podcast, your brand, what have been the most popular episodes? Is it when you bring on somebody that's not famous, but prominent, or is it just the topic or is it a combination of both? It's a good question. So I almost never look at the analytics, but at the, you know, I think just end of the year, beginning of the year, I was just looking a little bit. I didn't look too deep at it, but I was just like, okay, what are some of the top, top episodes? And I think mainly uh, I don't care that much just because I just bring the same amount of intensity and focus to every episode. And then I just let it fall where it falls. But I think maybe I think the top three or four off the top of my head right now would be Mandy Crawford is she's for sure up there. She's the state CIO in Texas. J.R. Sloan, he's the state CIO in Arizona, um, had a senior VP of product at a company called Dynatrace. Cool. That was that was definitely up there. Probably one of the craziest podcast episodes I ever recorded was with a guy named Rob Lucasio, who's the founder and CEO at a, a publicly traded company called Live Person. Funny, Live Person was the first stock I invested in when I was 18 years old at under $4 a share. And then the CEO, I connected with him and he actually came on twice. He came on the tech tables and I got this personal podcast called The Study. He came on both, Ooh. both times. And we just, we hit it off. And Rob is just a an amazing guy. And and so those are probably some of, some of the top, I think my top personal episode. I, I mean, I've had some really great ones. Jordan Rayner is, is one. I had this guy whose name is JP Donnell. And he is a SEAL team ex-SEAL Team 3 Sniper. Wow. And that was an amazing podcast episode that we had. That one's been super popular. A lot of people send me a lot of really great feedback on that one. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of focused on building the community around tech tables and staying focused with that. And I think what's encouraging, especially like, and I found probably the probably the biggest niche that I found is in the public sector. I don't know. People are a little bit nicer in the public sector. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but, but, oh boy, sharing, well, there's not a lot of like competition, right? And so like Texas and Florida and California are all trying to serve their constituents the, to the yep. best they can. Right. Yep. So, you know, you can put the politics aside and People in the public sector are genuinely trying to serve the people of their state. And and right now, especially from like a think about like a digital delivery model that, you know, COVID forced upon everybody, it's been fascinating to see what states are are doing what. And I think, you know, the podcasts are really great because it allows other folks to share not only what they're doing, but how they're thinking. And I think what people really lose is like, it's not just about technology, nope. but you know, uh, I always joke that Tech Tables is not actually a technology podcast. It's actually a people's podcast just wrapped around technology. Yep. And awesome. Yeah. You know, when I think about 
the different states, you think about culture. And I don't know, sometimes like people are like, oh, this is so fluffy. And you're like, no, 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 it matters a lot because, and I won't name out specific cities, but there are specific cities that I know that are like, hey, you have to work from this desk in, in this location in this capital city. Well, that's a problem if it's insanely expensive and you're trying to get talent there. Why can't they work out like a, a hybrid model or a fully remote model? Or, you know, you got to start getting a little bit creative because, you know, the talent, I actually wrote about the, the talent war today a little bit. Wow. And, you know, come like public sector are starved for really talented, really smart employees. So how do you go out there? You've got to get a little creative. You got to be a little bit like a startup. You got to have that startup mindset of, you know, how are we going to position our talent? And if talent wants to be remote, if talent wants to be hybrid, can you be flexible? And if you're unwilling to be flexible, there's going to be consequences Uh and you're not going to have a lot of really smart people working for you. And so in, in an age where, I mean, I talk to people, I've got good friends in, in Amsterdam, right? I FaceTime with them and I go all around the world and they were doing, they're working on projects and cool things all around the globe. Let's just take the state of California. I don't know what the rule is that I haven't actually interviewed really too many people from, from the state, but if someone has to sit in Sacramento and they want to be in Orange County, right, mm-hmm. it'll be a little bit of a problem and California will, you know, suffer from that. Or if you're in San Jose, I mean, I'm in Santa Barbara, housing prices are insane. Okay. Maybe you want to move inland a little bit where it's yeah. not so expensive. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's fascinating. I think that some of these challenges that you're talking about, people have confronted head on and then the the old way of thinking has caused the talent to say, you know what, I have choices and I'm going to exercise those choices because this is what I, I need in order to stay in this world. Like just for example, in the state world and, you know, the millennial generation, different way of thinking, different expectations, different motivations and now what we're seeing is a community looking at opening back up. I was reading this morning about big tech companies that are starting to execute plans to bring their workforces back to the office. Talk about a grieving process for everyone involved because you've had so many people starved for connection for so long. I think some people just started going back because maybe their home situation wasn't conducive to maximum productivity, but some people have repositioned their entire lives around not necessarily needing to be around people to get stuff done. And if you're talking about a legitimate constraint, recruiting talent and retaining talent, yeah, if you're going to force people to be in one location, you're going to start seeing people go where there is flexibility, where there is the chance to have a remote first culture and mindset and working environment. I've even gotten used to it. You know, it's friendly on the miles in the car. You know, I, I drive a Ford Mustang Mach-E. It's a special deal with how I bought it, where it's like 10,000. It's not a lease. It's like 10,500 miles a year. You can imagine if I bought that pre-pandemic, with as fun as that thing is to drive, I would have gone way over the miles, especially if I were going in to work five days a week. 
So I got benefits from being able to stay home. I've gotten used to connecting with people remotely. Normally, when you connect with somebody, Joe, you meet them in person. You shake their hands. You look them in the eyes. All this has been like put on ice. So when you're talking about talent, I think, yeah, generally speaking, the workforce needs to look at what's actually realistic. You know, like I rebranded my connections around, all right, I'm working from home most of the time. And I get my emotional, social connection needs met through other avenues after work. Works out good. Out of, if you're going to have to rethink that whole thing, it's going to be like, well, there's going to be a grieving process involved because I've already figured out how to get what I lost early on in the pandemic. Yeah. The one idea that was implemented that I loved was in Arizona. They're they're doing hoteling. And yeah. I love they were closing some offices, they're renting hotels out uh, for people to meet. I'm like, man, this is great. I love that. Um, and and like I'm a big in person. I, I love being in person, but you know, I think for for folks who have kids, I've got two kids. When you've got kids, when you know they're home, and they can they can go there and play, you might not be max productive, but no one's ever a hundred percent on. Like I have insane amount of energy. And when I have low energy, I might be writing emails. I might be doing a different task that doesn't require so much focus. Uh And so, you know, there's a lot that you can do. I think it's just moving to a results oriented outcome focused versus like time and chair, which is such an old model. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is the work getting done? You know, I, I, I know that there's companies out there that for as far as the eye can see, half height cubicles. So they can see it, people at their desk and if they're being productive. And now with some places, you're lucky if you ever get to see the person on camera. <laughs> it's like, wow. Uh, so it's just a, a totally different reality to wrap your head around. I call it the new abnormal or I'm reading all the time. I don't know if we're ever going to get back to normal. It's like, well, I think humanity's trying. You know, we're, we're trying here, but we're going to dock the boat here, Joe, shortly. I did have a tip for you as far as uh, if you're talking about sales or marketing, one of the things would be good for you to look at practicing is, especially at these events, this 45 second elevator speech where if you're imagining yourself the in an elevator with these folks or you have something very specific to say, I think the goal should be to be memorable and surprise them, catch them off guard. Because some of the things you mentioned were about like Nagaro, Nagaro, who's that? What's that? And I think in 45 seconds, if you could figure out what you want from the interaction, you might start to see some traction as far as how you get people to your podcast or how you get sponsorship discussions going. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out my ass, but a 45 second elevator speech is very powerful. It's something that takes practice to get used to. Practice it on safe people. Practice it on your wife. <laughs> she don't want to hear me anymore. She, she, she already listened back to podcasts. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. So here's the last thing for you. Uh, it, I know you you talked about 
what works with your podcast. And I, I love what you said about quitting and why quitting is not necessarily something that should even be on the table. But what words of wisdom do you have for our listeners uh, at the conclusion of this voyage before I let you off the boat? So the first one I'm going to go with is, is community. Uh, anytime you're around a community, it's going to provide energy to that circle. And then that energy will uh, make the effort level go up. So keep finding you know, your community. It's going to increase the energy. And then the effort level for your team is going to go up. And then the second thing is just grace. A lot of stuff in the media is is pretty tough right now a lot of people um and i think as i'm thinking about teams leadership you know uh we need to have grace for one another people are gonna mess up i've got a 10 high school guys who played for me and trust me they mess up all the time and and having uh and having grace for your team uh and i think a little bit of a longer term perspective um, and investing uh, in that team. But I think community and grace are uh, are two pieces of, of wisdom that will do you well. That is actually fabulous that you offered up two and you knew you wanted to offer up two. I love the first one. I think that will resonate with folks that want to identify with a community, want to associate with a community, want to grow into something. Maybe not. They don't know where to start. And I think the best way you could start is to bring your energy because you're right. People feed off of it and it changes the dynamic. And this is the the beautiful thing about seeing. I can I can spot when it's the first time somebody's going to an event. I really can. You know, the first thing is if there's a bar nearby, they're at the bar. You know, if there's a wall nearby, they're leaning against it. And they just don't know how to engage. So my words of wisdom, if I could hop on your back, would be to, if you see somebody that meets that description, reach out to them. Go give them some grace. Go be an advocate for them to get in there and show that community who they are. Because you'll never know how impactful that is. Be tuned into that frequency. Know that there's new people showing up for something. Usually they're showing up to be inspired or to put themselves out there in a way that is uncomfortable. So that would be my words of wisdom for the listeners. Really, really appreciate having you aboard, Joe. Really am looking forward to engaging in a planning discussion with you about hopping aboard. Well, your tech table. (laughs) We could definitely talk technology. We can definitely unpack me a little bit. And yeah, I would love to hang out at one of these events one day down the road, either in a few years, a few months or a few days. (laughs) I'm kidding. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Joe, again, for coming on. Captain Caveman out. (laughs) 